From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Today is Friday. It is the... No, 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 no Derek. It's Trojan Friday, my friend. It is Trojan Friday. <laughs> Today is Trojan, Trojan Friday. Friday. What you just heard was the USC fight song, a.k.a. the North Point Christian School Trojan fight song. I would venture to say that North Point's, North Point's band plays it, give or take, just as well. Matt, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's basically the same quality, same same number of band members out there on the no field. No chance. No chance. <laughs> I think there's 400 people in the USC band. Uh, no, so, but again, it's Trojan Friday. We will be getting to the interview with Coach Tower Gold uh, at the end of this show. Uh, but, of course, we've got more things to cover before that. And, Matt, starting tomorrow, tomorrow is the first jamboree, first high school game in DeSoto County. Really excited about it. Derek, it is football season, my friend. I'm fired up. You played football in high school. I played football in high school. Your son is a starting center for North Point. Did you break it down with Tyler? You break it down with uh, with Bo and, and you know ask about the he, game? He does mention both. There you go. Good. Bo. All right. Well, he should. My gosh. He's getting, <laughs> getting, the, getting the pub and everything. Well, look, it's football time. We're excited about it. North Point, uh, good luck to them coming up. The Jamboree. Uh, once you hear our show, it'll be the Jamboree to be tomorrow night uh, for sure. So we definitely – and Holly Springs – at Holly 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Yep. Uh, at North Point Trojan Field. At North Point Trojan Field tomorrow night, Derek, and probably going to be a little hot. Maybe a little steamy. A little, a little steamy. Ste- <laughs> they, they've actually moved practices, Matt, this week to 6.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Because the, you know, the, the heat index, once it tops 105, you have to come inside or whatever. Have to, And so the coach is like, no, we, we can't do that. Sure. So he's moved it to 6.30 a.m. So Bo's been leaving the house at 5.50 every morning going up to football practice. I so. actually kind of like that. No, that, that, it look, gets, once gets you're up, with, let's yeah. go. So when, you're done, when they're done with school, they're done with practice, they're able to leave they, They're able to come home at 3.30. That's oh, right. man, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, look, speaking of hot, definitely want to talk to you about the hot real estate market in the city of Hernando, the hot real estate market throughout DeSoto County. And if you're looking for a realtor, if you're looking for a team, if you're looking for someone to help you buy or sell a home, you definitely want to reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group is the number one team for residential real estate for well over 12 years. They possess over 25,000 closings on the buying or selling side of residential real estate. They are full-time, full-service realtors which means they are available when you need them. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis, again, completely free, using your address. They will help you learn more about your home, the value of it, the neighborhood, what's going on within a one-mile radius of your house, any questions you have about residential real estate, the best team to work with in DeSoto County is Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can reach them at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Also learn more about them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. As I continue to say, do not go into this market alone. Anyone listening to us for the first time, anyone that's clicked on us because we advertise with North Point or clicked on this because they want to hear Tyler Gold, the uh, North Point coach uh, here in just a little while. Look, the best residential real estate team in DeSoto County is our presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Again, their number is 662-449-1700. Well, Derek, we hope to get some good South Haven listens, some countywide listens for sure through the North Point advertisement and also through the North Point uh, show, the Trojan Friday we're doing. Any listener that doesn't currently live under the water tower, make the trip to our 2021 studio sponsor, the How to Barbecue Right Shop. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just off Memphis Street right here under the water tower. 
This store has everything anyone needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or really cool high-end smokers, Malcolm's Shop is your place. If you've ever seen his How to Barbecue Right YouTube videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can give him a call at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Find more on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. That's H2Q Malcolm Shop. But the best thing to do during this cooking season is to visit the How to Barbecue Right shop located right off Memphis Street in Hernando. Thank you to Rochelle and Malcolm for being our 2021 studio sponsor. Derek, as we move into our Friday show, we definitely will have our DeSoto County shout-outs coming up shortly. But again, Trojan Friday, at the end of this show, you will have the North Point football coach, Tyler Gold, that sat down for an interview with Derek. Good interview. Seems like a great guy. Uh, really, you know, somebody that North Point should be proud of leading uh, their football team this coming season. So definitely, if you tuned in for that, that will be coming up uh, shortly. Since our last show, the Hernando Chamber of Commerce hosted a luncheon. Uh, Roger Wicker, the state senator, the senator for the state of Mississippi, uh, was scheduled to be there but was not there in person but did do something video-wise because uh, he had something going on. Derek, tell us yeah, about it. Very important vote. So he was scheduled to be here typically in August. Uh, the House and the Senate, they basically go on vacation. They have a six-week vacation. They kind of just table everything entire month of August, literally past Labor Day. And then once Labor Day, after Labor Day, they come back, start trying to pass some more bills, that sort of thing before the end of the year. So this is supposed to be their vacation time. The House actually did leave, but the Senate stayed in because they were trying to get uh, this infrastructure bill passed that I'm sure everybody's heard about. But in the process of getting it passed, well, they actually called the vote for Tuesday, the day that our senator was supposed to be at the Hernando Chamber of Commerce to speak. They called the vote. Therefore, he stayed in Washington, D.C. to vote. And did a uh, kind of a video about, you know, what the bill was about, his thoughts on the bill, how he was voting uh, and kind of, you know, and why he was voting that way. So, again, basically the, the gist of it was is that he was voting for the bill. Uh, this was, uh, the I guess, one of the first bills that was really, if you want to call it... Um, proposed and really pushed for by the Biden administration. Well, it proposed by the Biden administration, but also did reach across the aisle. This is the first one. And we've seen stuff come up where the votes have been 50-50 with a, a, a tiebreaker tie by the vice president. We've seen some other ones that have been 50-49 because somebody didn't show up, whatever. So this was the first one that actually reached across the aisle, uh, and there was some compromise, and uh, I think 19 Republicans voted for it. That's correct. Uh, one of those was... Senator Wicker, and he told, kind of talked about why he, you know, he does not support the three and a half trillion dollar one coming after this one. Did support the one point two trillion or right, right at one trillion dollar infrastructure bill because of what it brought to Mississippi. You'll hear that in our uh, interview next Tuesday. Uh, we have already interviewed uh, the mayor for the uh, interview next Tuesday. You'll hear him talk about what that money means for Hernando. But what uh, Roger Wicker did for the state of Mississippi, what he mentioned was among the provisions, Mississippi would get $3.3 billion from this, $225 million for bridges, uh, and the bill also allows the state to compete for funding of a $12.5 billion bridge grant. So, again, we know that's a, a need in Mississippi is for bridges. So that's definitely something that uh, you know we need. And so that was one of the reasons for him voting for this bill. Another one was that he talked about the highway. 6,000 miles of highways in Mississippi are in poor conditions. So some of that $3.3 billion for roads you know, can be put toward that. Uh, the state will also get $283 million for water projects and an estimated $100 million for airport upgrades. Because of the money being given out, around $3.5 billion total once you kind of add in the water projects and the airport upgrades, you know, that's, um, that, that's pretty big for Mississippi the way he thought about it. Uh, the bill also lines up $65 billion to be spent on broadband deployment. 
a one step toward closing the digital divide and connecting the rural communities with the internet. So again, this is a huge, you know, it's a huge bill. It's a lot of money. You know, there's uh, arguments about how it's going to, you know, put the country in debt 10 years from now. Uh, there's kind of reports on no, it self funds itself. Others say, no, it will add to the national debt. Uh, he, but he did vote for for the reasons for the money coming to Mississippi, but was also adamant at the end that the next bill that's three and a half trillion, that basically is going toward climate control, going toward all those things. He says they kind of like handouts. Uh, and so the three and a half trillion in new taxes and the spending, he says that we do not need that, cannot afford that. And he will not be voting for that one. Derek, this is one of those times on the UTW podcast. It's probably best. You're going to find me speechless over here. I'm not going to make really make a comment. I will simply make this comment. It's amazing to me how senators and House of Representative people, people in the Congress, it's amazing to me how they um, tie leadership with dollar bills. That's all I'll say. Yep. So no. just simply move on from that. Hernando Chamber of Commerce, uh, like I said, he was, he was going to be there, but unfortunately uh, was part of this thing. I will simply, again, it's, I'm, I'm not going to make a comment, so you can just figure out however I might feel about that. Census numbers, Derek, those are going to be coming out pretty soon. The Sanitobia re, uh, had a meeting in Sanitobia earlier this week. Census numbers definitely ties to budget, ties to those type things. Uh, had a meeting earlier since our last show about the census numbers that, that affects the county of DeSoto. What you got? So the, there are nine meetings being held statewide where people can go and listen and talk to the legislatures that are traveling around trying to take input from the different communities about how you know they should look at their census numbers. Now, when they take the census numbers, we have to do redistricting. Every 10 years, we have to redistrict. And so this is part of that. Now, if you remember in a previous podcast, we talked about Mississippi lost 6,018 people over of, since 2010. So we actually lost 6,000, you don't want to see any, first of all, we shouldn't have any losses, which we, but we did. 6,000 is not a large number. Therefore, we're still keeping our four house seats. So we're not having to worry about that, but it's more redrawing the lines for each house member to have an equal number of uh, constituents, uh, very similar to what Hernando just did back in December. Again, uh, this is the state of Mississippi legislature, not federal, state of Mississippi legislature. Right. So the state of Mississippi. And so we're looking at DeSoto County's increase. So again, this meeting was held in Senatobia. It was the closest for DeSoto Countyans to give their input. And the Soto County is supposed to be about 185,000 as of 2019. Now, the census numbers, this article that I'm pulling this from says that it's supposed to be received by August 16th, three days from now. We'll see if that's true. We talked with the mayor in our interview also on Tuesday, thinking probably more toward the end of August, definitely by the middle of September, they'll know for Hernando what Hernando's population is now from the last census. So, But that's the number they're using, about 185,000. So what does that mean? It's probably going to mean we're going to pick up a House seat, could potentially pick up another Senate seat. Uh, and so there's a lot of people talking about that. But the, the main thing was there was a lot of those two or three minorities that were there that said, hey, look, you know, we need to be recognized. We feel like that we're not being represented and yet we're being taxed. They, they made the point to say there are no black supervisors. You know, there, you know, Hernando has one black alderman. Mm-hmm. South Haven does not. You know, Olive Branch, I'm not sure. I think they have a couple, but I think they're worried more about the countywide. And so there's no black supervisors. Are they being heard based on their thing? Are lines being drawn to make sure that they're not getting a minority candidate on the board? So there was some of that talk going on. There was other people that were there that were from the newly annexed Olive Branch who said, you know, we were in the county for so long. Olive Branch annexes us 30 days before the election is when the annexation became official. So I didn't really get to vote, didn't have my thing set up in time. Couldn't, if I had to, wanted to run for a city position, 
I wouldn't have been able to because the deadline had already passed to sign up because it's, you know, it's 60 days, 90 days out. So how is it fair that I'm now paying Olive Branch taxes, could not vote and could not run for one of those seats? Very good point. Very good point. Uh, so I think it's a lot of that. How is that going to be done? How is it going to be redistricting? So again, that was a, a good meeting. They took all the input. When they sit down in the 2022, started the, that's going to be one of the major topics they deal with next session in the spring will be how are we going to redistrict it? And they did say they will have it in place, whatever the final thing is, whatever the map's going to look like by the 2023 elections. Well, Derek, I mean, population is, uh, you know, part of our world. People are moving to Soto County, uh, you know, consistently. Uh, I, you know, being honest, Derek, I, I do – the gentleman you were mentioned there, or the people that were there from a minority standpoint, having concerns about – those are things that are if, – if, if we have people that are concerned about that, you know, let's be transparent about the, the redistricting and, and those type things. I would say in 2021, Derek, and I'm probably a little bit naive, I would pursue and, and, and like the best candidate, in my opinion. That's what I look for is, again, I mentioned the word leadership a few moments ago, uh, you know, who's the color of their skin to me doesn't matter if the people are leading the correct way and leading a certain way and that's what I struggle with when it comes to uh, this stuff I mean again I I said something to you I apologize for kind of not having much comment Uh, I just you know people in Washington DC are so different than we are here they just are. Uh, Senator Wicker, I hope you hear uh, you are invited onto our podcast anytime you <laughs> anytime like. You want to. Anytime you want. We'll allow a video conference. We'll uh, we'll set up a – Derek and I may even fly to Washington, D.C. to sit down with you. Well, I might, but Derek, Derek, <laughs> Derek may not. But anyway, but I'm just simply saying, you know, I, I, what I'm, my comment a second ago meant this is leadership seems to be so much tied to purse strings in today's world, and we're all thirsting for just leadership. Mm-hmm. We're thirsting for it. It doesn't have to be what you can give me. You know, we're looking for leaders. We're looking for leadership and people to lead and pull the rope in the same direction as we're all out here doing every single day. And so, again, not a whole lot going on from a citywide standpoint. Our show on Tuesday is going to be very uh, city-based. We're going to talk about the Alderman meeting for both Hernando and South Haven. And, man, what a great interview. Uh, sit down for about 50 minutes or so with Chip Johnson, the newly elected, uh, well, 45-day-in mayor for the city of Hernando, uh, how that's going and what the next 90 days or so looks like and some number we get, we did get about 10 questions emailed into us Derek and we were able to use those so again questions for Mayor Johnson questions for anything here on the show uh, under the water tower info at gmail.com that's under the water tower info at gmail.com well Derek if you and I did want to take that trip to Washington DC I do know somebody could help us with our plane tickets, help us with our hotels and so forth. Absolutely. And that's the ladies at Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach these ladies at 662 469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. You can also learn more information about them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. If you're tuning into the UTW podcast for the first time, these ladies have been advertising with us from the beginning. We certainly appreciate them. They definitely want to take care of your family, take care of your spring break needs, take care of your summer needs, even Christmas plans. If you have travel needs, reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher again at 662-469-6304. 
Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 662-429-5213. Again, 662-429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Well, as we continue to mention, if you're a first-time listener to our show, if you clicked on our show because of the interview with Tyler Gold coming up shortly, if you're a parent of North Point and you want to hear uh, all about the football team and those type things, we definitely want to encourage you, if you've never been, to visit the Hernando Farmer's Market. The Hernando Farmer's Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agricultural traditions of the Mid-South. It's a place to shop, it's a place to gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh, local experience. For more information about the Farmer's Market, you can reach out to Gia Matheny, the Community Development Director, at 662-449-9092. Again, 662-449-9092. The Hernando Farmer's Market takes place every Saturday morning from May 1st through October from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. The Hernando Farmer's Market is arguably the best farmer's market in the state of Mississippi. I'd put it up against anything in the Mid-South. If you've never been to the Hernando Farmer's Market, please consider it 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Saturday right here on the historic Hernando Square. North Point Christian School has begun, but they're still taking new students. Come and see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. North Point is honored to have been voted DeSoto's best middle school and DeSoto's best high school by the DeSoto Times-Tribune. Come and see why they have been voted best. Contact Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127, 662-349-5127, or email her at sshero-n at ncstrojans.com and schedule your personal tour. Don't delay. Call today. Again, Derek, on our Trojan Friday, we continue to call it that because of the interview that we have at the end of the show. That's going to be at the end of our show. Tyler Gold, head coach of the North Point Trojans, uh, will be up shortly. Derek, before we get there, a couple of shout-outs. We do it every Friday, just some simple uh, shout-outs for nonprofit things that may be trying to grow, maybe trying to uh, expand their projects. First shout-out, scavenger hunt. Hernando Parks and Rec, scavenger hunt, August 21st, a fun time for the family group of friends, business, anything like that. If you're looking to have a good time, the scavenger hunt will be on August 21st. Derek, tell us about that. Scavenger hunt takes place, and it's, as you said, Matt, next Saturday, next Saturday, the 21st, at 8.30 a.m. They're still taking sign-ups from two to five members uh, able to go up there. Again, you can do it as a family. You can do it with friends. Uh, next Saturday, 8.30 We've talked about it before. You'll get a sheet. You'll have uh, activities you have to perform, pictures you have to take, uh, answers you'll have to guess. And so um, you'll be doing that all morning long, and then you'll be rewarded prizes. First place is $1,000. Second place, $500. Third place is $200. uh, And those will be judged first on accuracy 
and then on who turned it in first. So again, if this is something you want to do, a great way to get out there Saturday before the fall really gets kicked off. We're still before college football, so hopefully you can have time. I think it's a wonderful thing that you're going to do, support the parks, uh, but also a, a wonderful thing that the parks offers us. So again, next Saturday, 8.30 a.m., uh, we'll be starting at the Gale Center for the scavenger hunt. A lot of fun. Again, family. I think some kids for our, from our church are going to put two or three teams together uh, for that. So definitely 8.30 next Saturday morning. Shout out to the Hernando Parks and Rec Department for that 12th annual. It definitely become a tradition here in the city of Hernando. Well, Derek, something else that may become a tradition or hopefully so, supporting the Palmer Home. Supporting the Palmer Home. Something going on. Definitely important to our studio sponsor, uh, Malcolm Reed. An opportunity for him. An opportunity for you to meet Malcolm and learn a little bit. You know, Maybe not learn a lot, but uh, definitely taste some of his awesome food, our studio sponsor. Tell us about Shotguns and Sun flowers coming up september 10th the shotguns and sunflowers clay tournament uh, this is their second annual and, and as you said hope it does become a tradition uh, this is the premier clay fundraising event in the mid-south tournament teams will shoot a variety of targets each to win coveted prizes and bragging rights after the tournament guests will enjoy appetizers and libations followed by awards a bloody mary bar a delicious southern style lunch that will put Grandma's cooking to shame by our very own studio sponsor, Malcolm Reed, for How to Barbecue Right. He will be grilling on site. The Palmer Home wants to show you, the clients, and special guests some real Southern hospitality with this unique cause marketing experience. For 125 years, Palmer Home has been able to change local children's lives, and you could help them hit their target this year of serving more children and families than ever before. Again, sponsorships range from the co-presenting sponsor of $10,000 all the way down to $1,000 for a team of four to shoot. So again, this is something that you want to do, giving back to a great cause. September 10th, the Shotgun and Sunflowers Clay Tournament that will be held out at the Palmer Home campus. Derek, you and I are both members of the Crew of Fernando, and the Crew of Fernando has voted to support that uh, event uh, with a couple of teams. So that's something we definitely – look, palmerhome.org for more information, palmerhome.org. Pretty neat way to start off a Friday morning for well, sure. I mean, it's dove season just started, Absolutely. so this is a great way to start getting your shot down for hunting season that's coming up and uh, just a great time to, you know, to experience the fellowship plus – wonderful food and what sounds like a very nice uh drink bar hey can we meet out there whether whether you and i are in this or not maybe uh hit the bloody mary bar maybe bloody mary bar sounds fantastic <laughs> something we could definitely do for sure well uh those are our shout outs we have a couple things that are coming up in september that we're going to talk a little bit more about next friday but we're going to give it to next friday because we really want to focus on the interview that's coming up i continue to mention it sit down interview that Derek had with tyler gold the north point trojan football coach uh coming up shortly but before we get there we definitely want to continue recognizing our sponsors north mississippi dumpsters North Mississippi Dumpsters is a local small business offering service seven days a week. They service DeSoto, Marshall, Tate, and Tunica counties. They offer 13 and 20-yard roll-off dumpsters that are specially handled to not damage your driveway. They're also new dumpsters to not be an eyesore outside of your home. If you're a homeowner wanting to clean out your garage, your closets, your attic, anything like that, reach out to North Mississippi Dumpsters today for those plans. You can call them at 901-299-0916. That's 901-299-0916. Or you can find all the information you need at DeSotoDumpsters.com. Again, DeSotoDumpsters.com. You can book a dumpster, book the time to have it picked up, check on pricing, anything you need to learn about North Mississippi Dumpsters. Visit their website today, DeSotoDumpsters.com. 
Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. Again, 662-892-8419. Or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. Want to continue to recognize our longest sponsor, Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Williams Services specializes in leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, anything you can think of for the outside of your home or your commercial space. Give Richard a call. Let him give you a price. No job too small, no job too large. Anywhere in DeSoto County, Richard and his team are ready to help. Their phone number is 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or learn more about Williams Services on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, along with Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology, such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. Hopefully we'll have some new listeners uh, as we visit with the North Point Coach. And we definitely want to continue to recognize our sponsors, all the different people that have uh, believed in us since Team Couch or Birch Realty Group, How to Barbecue Right Shop located in Hernando, North Mississippi Dumpsters, Williams Lawn Services, DeSoto Family Dental Care, Green King Spray Services, the Hernando Farmers Market, Magical Destinations, Lauderdale Insurance, and certainly as we're about to turn to the North Point Christian School in South Haven. Please support our advertisers. For more information, go to their Facebook pages. We really, really appreciate them being a part of our show each and every week. Well, Derek, we continue to say it. Trojan Friday. We're excited. Football is here. But we're going to focus on another sport that has started and does uh, get kicked off this week, and that's going to be volleyball. We're going to give you a quick update on the Hernando Lady Tiger volleyball team. I actually played another school that we cover, the Lewisburg Lady Patriots, that just on correct. Tuesday. Uh, we have a particular person of interest who uh, <laughs> lets us know all about volleyball. So I'll give you a quick score. 
Freshman team won two to nothing. JV won two to nothing. And the varsity, the Lewisburg Lady Patriots, did win the varsity match three to one. Two very high quality um, volleyball programs, DeSoto County Volleyball. We got in, we got involved in it late, Derek, last time. We did. We're not going to make that mistake again. Uh, give us a little bit of information about the varsity game three to one win for the Lady Patriots, real quick. Yeah, so the Lady Patriots did take the match 3-1. to one. Uh, The first set, they actually lost. Hernando took the first set 24-26. Then followed, then Lewisburg kind of rallied, kind of gathered themselves, and were able to win the next three in a row, 25-17, 25-17, and 25-6. So after that first close match, kind of got a little out of hand, especially the last set, uh, they, they ran away with it 25-6. So again, for the first match, first match yeah. uh, in the district, we have Lewisburg 3, Hernando 1, and so, again, just a, a great – if you've never gone play, seen volleyball, go check it out. Go watch it. I mean, it gets, it gets pretty exciting. Sure. Uh, it's a lot of good points. It uh, gets loud, there. It gets very, very loud. The, the, I was the, girls, the girls are loud every single match, <laughs> every single play, every single point is very loud. They cheer um, quite a bit. It's, it's, like, it's like softball dugouts on steroids because they're inside. Right. And now we, all, we had the um, – uh, some stats for Lewisburg that was provided. Uh, Lewis Kelly Reichard had 15 kills and 13 digs. Uh, Lana Farrell had nine kills. Ellie Morgan was credited with four kills and seven blocks. And finally, Sadie Bridgeforth scored 23 digs in the match. I know Sadie Bridgeforth. I know uh, actually, two of those girls, Former. actually Ellie Morgan and Sadie Bridgeforth, used to be in Bo's class. Okay, there you go. Well, we know Sadie Bridgeforth. Shout out to her parents. I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, you know, big LSU fans. Uh, Huge her dad, LSU her dad is. Huge uh, I grew LSU up in Louisiana, and there may be more uh, bigger <laughs> LSU fans than I am. So, shout out to Lewisburg for the win. But, again, we're going to continue to – the schools we're going to cover, Derek and I had to work really hard last year, especially Derek learning about football and stuff like that. Three schools we're going to cover here at the UTW Podcast, the Hernando Tigers, the Lewisburg Patriots, and the North Point Church. That's who we're going to continue to cover here. So you're going to get more information, maybe even a deeper dive with coaches, more about the schools, that type stuff, because that's what our listeners are showing. That's what we're seeing from the numbers, who's listening to our show, who's advertising with our show. And, and that's kind of what we're doing is, try, is going, to, going to serve those listeners and the people that advertise with us. So we are going to finish the show with the interview with Tyler Gold, the head coach of the North Point Trojans. But before we do that, let me just do our usual sign-off stuff. And then Derek and Tyler will be the last thing you hear for the UTW podcast on this Friday show if you enjoy our show find us on facebook at utw podcast on instagram at utw podcast and on twitter at utw pod wherever you can hear our show hear our voice give us a five-star review spotify google podcast apple podcast wherever you can hear our show give us a five-star review as we continue to grow and we certainly appreciate that encourage you each and every week to find ob pod ob pod covers the eastern side of desoto county center hill lewisburg and olive branch for more information about that simply go type in to your podcast provider ob pod they drop a show every monday morning just do a great job covering the eastern side of desoto county well, we really appreciate you staying uh, with us uh, this long. Last but not least, Derek sat down with Tyler Gold, the head coach of the North Point Trojans, and that is what we will end our show with today. We really, really appreciate him coming in, giving of his time on a Saturday. On a Saturday morning. On a Saturday morning to talk more about his team. Definitely somebody who believes in his team, believes in what he's doing. Derek and I are always going to pat on the back the people that are pouring into uh, our kids, so we definitely appreciate him. We want to wish them luck in the Jamboree against Holly Springs tomorrow night, 6 o'clock at Trojan Field. Definitely get out if you're looking for some uh, high school football. Uh, no pun intended. It kicks off tomorrow night. And so we'll be talking more about the Hernando Tigers, the North Point Trojans, and the Lewisburg Patriots next week as we continue to talk about football. Very exciting time as we get ready to kick off the football season. So good luck to the Trojans tomorrow night on Trojan Friday here at the UTW Podcast. And we will go to the interview with Tyler Gold now.
So we are joined in the UTW studio uh, this morning by Coach Tyler Gold, head coach of the North Point Christian Trojans. Uh, good morning, Coach. Good morning. Um, I do appreciate you coming in uh, on, on this morning, uh, over the weekend. This is Saturday morning. We're taping this. And uh, really looking forward to uh, the season this year. I uh, kind of wanted to give the listeners, uh, we were not able to do this last year. We actually, our first show was August 10th. And so we weren't able to sit down with the coaches like we wanted to. Uh, kind of give a background of, of how you got into coaching, uh, you know, where you came from, and uh, how you got to North Point. Yeah, so I went to uh, Evangelical Christian School in Fort Myers, Florida, and uh, I played for a coach named Brian Lynch. Besides being a really good coach, his claim to fame, his son is Corey Lynch, who's the guy that blocked the Michigan kick for App State. Yeah. And so I played I played high school ball with Corey, and uh, as I was graduating high school, I had, a, I had an opportunity to go play college football, had a couple D2 offers and D3 and that type of thing, and uh, I just didn't go. And so as I didn't go to college right away uh, to go play football, my coach called me and said, hey, you really got an eye for the game. Will you come help me out? Uh, maybe coach some JV defense or JV offensive line. And so I got into coaching really at 18 years old wow. and uh, probably shouldn't have because I didn't know what I was doing. And I, and I really just was uh, making it up as I went and doing what I did and what my coaches coached me to do. Uh, but I really fell in love with the game in high school and then just after that and just coaching at a young age. And so I started coaching at uh, Evangelical Christian School down there in Florida. After a couple of years, I was in the construction industry and making really good money and traveling the world. I, I, I took a year and a half off from coaching. And, and during that time, uh, I wasn't living a great life and just kind of was trying to make money and, again, um, just really make it on my own. Mm -hmm. And my coach called me up and said, hey, that, this isn't what God has you planned for. So I think you need to get back into coaching. I want you to come to church with me. We'll talk about what that's going to be like and we'll kind of get you back on the right path. And so, again, my coach reached out and, and took me under his wing yet again. And, uh, and so I got back into coaching right around 22 years old again. Uh, after taking a year and a half off, coached with Brian Lynch for, for nine years. And as he was getting ready to retire, he said, you're the guy. I want you to take over. I'm going to push for you to be a head coach. And so he retired after me coaching with him for nine years. And uh, we had a lot of success. Uh, I was his offensive coordinator, a run game, off offensive line coach, all of those more many hats. Uh, and then took over at, I believe I was a head coach at 25 years old. Oh, wow. And so it was kind of still one of those things of I had a lot to learn, but kind of learned it on the fly. And uh, again, we had some, some good success. And after six years of being the head coach at ECS, uh, me and my wife just kind of sat down and said, like, I, I feel like our time here is done. Uh, and we didn't know what that meant. And so I actually went to our school and, and told them that this will be my last year. Um, so before the season started, it was, it was right towards the end of the season. I told okay. them that this would be my last year and they said, well, something wrong. I said, no, I just feel like God's telling me we're supposed to be somewhere else. And I have no clue what that means. Hopefully you let me finish the year as an athletic director and football coach and, and I'll make sure we do everything right, but we're going to be somewhere else next year. And so I had some opportunities to be at larger high schools uh, in Fort Myers, seven, a schools, offensive coordinator, O-line position coach, head coach jobs, uh, etc. And, and again, my wife and I just felt like we didn't know why, but we really believed we were going to end up in North Georgia or North Carolina or East Tennessee and like kind of in the mountain areas is what we love. And, and yeah. it's just kind of where we wanted to be. And, and so I had uh, applied for a couple jobs and interviewed for a couple jobs in the Chattanooga area, as well as in North Carolina and North Georgia. And all of them I was really excited about, but it wasn't God's plan. And so this one job popped up in South Haven, Mississippi. And I told my wife about it. And I said, there's this North Point Christian School in South Haven. I don't know why. I've never been to Mississippi, but I want to apply. 
And her response was, if you apply, I'm not going with you. And, uh, <laughs> and so that night I applied and yeah. the next day I got a call from our head of school, Jim Ferguson, and we ended up talking for an hour and a half, uh, nothing to do with football. And we just really got along. And he said, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I want to meet you. And I said, well, I don't know why you called either, but I want to meet you. And so we came up, uh, I believe it was in December, and we're just taking a trip up to Memphis. If nothing happened with it, we got a trip out to Memphis out mm-hmm. of it. Uh, and we fell in love with the school. And it's kind of the, uh, I guess, maybe the longer story to it. But as soon as we came up, my wife felt at home. It's, uh, it's very similar to what she grew up in in, in Edmond, Oklahoma. Okay. And, uh, and we just really fell in love with the school, the leadership, the kids. Felt like such a peace from God saying, this is, this is where we're supposed to be. And so after 15 years of coaching football at Evangelical Christian School, moved up to North Point Christian School and, and now uh, going into my third year. This will be year 18 coaching mm-hmm. for me. And again, we just love, love the area, love the people, love our school, love our admin. And uh, it's been a really good, really good transition for us and our family. Full disclosure, my son plays for you. Uh, he'll be a senior this year. And I, I saw a tweet that you did recently uh, that said that this is the uh, you, you've now been coaching longer than your your kids have been alive. Yeah, I guess your oldest right. kids have been alive. That's kind of a gut check, but also just kind of a cool thing to look at how long the, how far you've come in in your coaching career. Right. Yeah. At 37 years old, everyone kind of goes, "Oh, you're still a young coach," because 37 in coaching is, is still pretty young. But this is year 18 coaching, and so I, I I'm really blessed to have a mentor like Brian Lynch, uh, Coach Lynch. I still call him Coach Lynch. Uh, to this day and we talk every month and he kind of still mentors me even though he's in Florida it's just been a really cool opportunity to be a young coach that has grown in it and still love it every day what I do well let's talk a little bit about the the school so y'all moved up here never been to Mississippi before your, your wife uh, she ended up loving it how has your time been in South Haven area Olive Branch area so far oh we love it it's really a place where I believe like high school sports has stood still in a good way and that could come across it in a bad way but in Florida, it's it's becoming amateurism or professional amateurism, and kids can transfer anytime they want. And there's really not a pride in in your school at a lot of places. And there's a lot of uh, just overall moving pieces. You can play football at one school and basketball at the next school and baseball at the next, and okay. you're eligible right away. And while those are issues in in the state of Florida, up here there is a lot less of that, and people are very proud of the neighborhoods they're in. They're very proud of the schools they're at. And what I love about that is it makes our kids just have that extra bit of what high school sports is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about playing with your friends. It's about having a good time. It's about trying to all push yourselves to be the best version of yourself you can be in in teamwork. And what I see at North Point Christian School and really in a lot of schools we're playing, that still exists. (laughs) And that's a very good thing because I think once we lose that in high school sports, we may lose high school sports. And so the uh, from the area it's a lot more relaxed it's more laid back the people are friendlier everyone up here still still has southern hospitality they're still uh it's still the bible belt whereas in where we're coming from it's a little bit more fast-paced it's it's getting closer to a tampa miami style feel of all right go 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 everybody Mm -hmm. out for themselves we're up here everybody's looking out for each other and we love it Uh, from our church to our school to our football program to just going to Kroger on a Saturday morning and people waving at you and smiling yeah. at you and saying, Hey, how you doing? And, and never met that person before. It's nice to see that a place like this still exists. And so we've just been, we've been in love since we moved here and it's been really uh, welcoming to us. One of the things, even though DeSoto County is now, you know, we're probably around 200,000 people, but you still have individual pockets of towns 
and those towns still know each other. I mean, right. as you said, you can go to Kroger, and I, I'll see people every day when I go to Kroger. And we were, I think Hernandez probably around 20, South Haven's are over 50, but you still see people you know. Um, right. And I think that is that's something that's great. So in just a minute, we're going to get into kind of what your you know offensive and defensive sets and stuff like that. We were not going to get too technical for the listeners out there, but we'll you know we'll kind of give a, a general what is the style or the difference in the style of play from where you came in Florida to what you see up in, in North Mississippi. So in Florida, I would say, and again, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it's very fast football. There's a lot of athletes at whatever level you're at, whether you're from the 1A all the way up to 7A. There's an athlete and probably a kid running a 4-4 um, mm-hmm. and legit. It's it's just fast football. And we played at the 2A level uh, in Florida. And so we were a smaller school, about 240 kids in our high school. But just the level athlete you saw week in and week out was was really high. But the line play up here is is much better. The offensive line play, and I'd say even some of the coaching is a lot better up here in the sense of uh, we play in the TSSAA, Division II AA. Uh, I know that's a mouthful, but we're playing teams like Evangelical Christian School. We're playing Lausanne. We're playing St. George's week in and week out. And those guys are just so well coached, and their line play is very good. Mm-hmm. And I believe like that's that's maybe one of the biggest differences I've noticed is, is while it may be faster in Florida, up here it is better coached, more technical, and it's more fun for a coach because you have to game plan a lot more and yeah. and come up with a way that you're going to match some of those big guys. Uh, if you look in our, our league last year, we had a number of linemen go play big-time football this year, including mm-hmm. one going to Clemson. Right. Was that uh, ECS. Was ECS, ECS, yeah. uh, ECS player going to Clemson. And so it's – it's fun to have those uh, those chess matchups inside the game, and it's kind of what my heart is. I'm an O-line guy at heart, and so uh, to be able to play that week in and week out, it's been a lot of fun. We'll start with the offense. Sure. Um, what do you look for, or what is your offensive mindset going into this year? Uh, I know every year you said that you change, you adapt, you talk to your old coach. But in going in, looking at the 2021-2022 uh, year, what is the, the mindset or what offensive scheme are you most looking at uh, for this season? So we have a number of skills coming back returning this year and that's the first time we can say that in our three years of being at North Point is we have receivers and we have depth at our receiver position the other thing that we have is we we have a number of returning linemen that are going to be really good and so offensively we're trying to figure out how can we spread the ball around to these athletes so that everyone's getting touches and you can't key on one guy Uh, if you come watch us play you'll see we do have one guy that's pretty special we figure out a way to get him the ball in multiple different ways but all the guys around him as well are very talented. And so we're just coming up with ways that we can get these guys the ball in space and go make other teams have to cover us horizontally 53 yards and cover us vertically down the field and really just spread the ball around. Are you more of a, a hurry-up offense? Do you, are you going to huddle at the line? Or what kind of one of the I guess what kind of pace of play will you use this year? So we have multiple tempos. We will not huddle or we will rarely huddle. And so we are trying to push the pace. We are, again, have a lot of skill position guys, a lot of guys that – are able to transition and in, in, in the game and out of the game to try to push the pace. And if they get a little winded, we got a guy behind them that can play. And so our tempo will be a little bit faster this year. But I'm not going to say that we're going to be tempo just for the sake of being right. really fast. We're trying to make sure that we're pushing the pace and we're always in control offensively of in, in attack mode. Sounds like something that'll be a exciting style of, of offense to watch um, going into that. And maybe, you know, as you said, some of the teams that, that uh, you do play are bigger, uh, bigger on the line, bigger at other positions. And so it might be kind of one of the things using the, uh, the quickness of the team this year to your advantage. Correct. And maybe also to wear the other team down as the game goes along. 
Switching to the defensive side, talk to us about the defense, uh, what sets you may use. I mean, I don't know if you have definitely four, three, three, four sets, or if it's more of a hybrid that you use. Kind of talk to us a little bit about what the strengths are on the defense this year uh, and, and the way that you all align. Yeah, so our strengths this year on defense is our defensive line. Uh, we are bringing back three of our starting four guys from last year on the defensive line. We're actually moving more towards a multiple and I'll say an even front or we have four down linemen versus in, in years past we've had three uh, and a lot of that comes from our depth at, at the defensive line. Uh, everything behind it from the linebackers to the safeties to the corners is again it's a it's a tempo style game and so we've we've really shortened our verbiage and, and our calls on defense so that we could play faster. Mm-hmm. Our guys can align correct see the positions that the offense is in and then go play football really fast and not have to think a lot. And I know that's a a very simple answer to it, but our main goal is we tried to simplify our defense so our guys didn't have to think too much this year and they can just go play football and tackle in space. And that's something we've been really focusing on over the summer is tackling in space, getting aligned right, and go play football fast. As you said, everybody kind of uses some form of the spread now. You see, Barry, that there was a a team that y'all played from Mississippi last year that was kind of the multiple option game. Uh, They were were kind of a huddle, multiple option. That was something that was different. You don't really see that anymore. Uh, So it's good to have those, you know, different multiple sets. You can kind of give them a different look, plus be able to get the calls in because, you know, teams may be going every 10 or 15 seconds. Of course, there is a third aspect to football. Uh, There is a special teams. Um, Not uh, not always talked about, not always highlighted. Of course, usually they're talked about when something bad happens. Um, how do you feel about your special teams this year coming back? So special teams have been a big focus for us. That's one of the things as a coaching staff we went back and did and said, where are we giving up yards that we can control? Uh, and if you come out to our football games of the first two years that we've been at North Point, you'll see a lot of times it's not been a very highlighted segment of the game. And so this summer, especially, we have taken a, a bigger approach to our special teams. We've divvied it out a little bit more amongst the assistant coaches and those guys now all have pride in those positions on special teams from whether it be kickoff return, kickoff punt, punt return, et cetera, field goal, extra point. And I believe our guys are now buying into how important special teams are. If you give up an average starting field position of the 40-yard line for the other team, the opposing 40-yard line, well, now they only have 60 yards to right. go versus if we can pin them back just 10 yards, we've proven to our guys that the amount of scoring percentage that comes off of that drops significantly almost 20 percent and so if you just make them go an extra 10 yards on a drive now they're going to score 20 percent less in a game that's a big deal to get that ball a little bit deeper and go make a tackle on kickoff or punt in your last two or three years or maybe it's been over the last five or ten years have you seen more of the analytics coming into the high school side of it definitely we use a a huddle assist and it basically breaks down and then we can run our own scouting reports there in about five minutes on a saturday morning and so those percentages, it, it's there and it's fun to look at. And it's not the end-all, be-all. There still is a, a momentum of games that you have to feel. There is still uh, who's the better athlete, uh, schematically what can you do. But at the end of the day, if you have a certain tendency or another coach has a certain tendency, it's important to know that. And so if it's third and four and you know this other opposing coach is going to run this, you want to put yourself in the best position to take advantage of that probability. And so definitely analytics has trickled down from the NFL to college to, to high school. And it's fun to watch, but it's not the end-all, be-all for us as a staff. 
Of course, a lot of teams in baseball, you know, use they, they purely go by analytics. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the field, RBIs, home runs, none of that matters. It's based on those you know, other numbers that they look at. And I know that they've been trying for years to move it to football. But I think what you said is the key is you, you have to know, you know, football is, is different than, you know, basketball. If you have so many possessions a game, you know, and right. baseball, you know, if it, the, the more on base, the higher on base percentages, doesn't matter how you get on just to get on. Uh, but in football, it's different because you do have to look at specific athletes in, in space or something like that. And as you said, also, you know, when you're um, thinking about sometimes it's the flow. I mean, I think there's no other game like football, to, you know, the big mo. They talk about the big mo. Oh, yeah. And uh, when, when a team gets momentum and starts rolling downhill, you know, in basketball, they may call a timeout after they get, you know, three threes in a row or something like that. In football, sometimes you see that, but usually the drive just continues and it just, it's just a snowball effect. And uh, I think that, you know, analytics is good, but you also have to have that feel like you talked about. Correct. Yeah, it's, momentum is huge. And you feel that when you're at a stadium on a Friday night. You can feel a team who's behind starting to get a little bit of momentum. And you only get three timeouts per half, and there's only so many ways you can stop that momentum. It really takes a collective group effort to kind of lock back in, take back control of that. And then big plays are a big part of it. If you go watch a turnover on a Saturday uh, and watch an Ole Miss get a turnover, they're probably going to take a shot play on the next play on offense because they're trying to take advantage of that momentum. Quick swing, can we go get a big play or big yards or maybe even a touchdown off of this one turnover? Again, analytics are fun to look at, but that momentum is, is big time. So talk about who you're looking for or what group you're looking for this year to kind of lead this team on both sides of the ball. Yeah, for a real general answer, I would say our seniors. We played a lot of those guys when they were sophomores. Some of them maybe weren't even ready to play when they were sophomores, but it was kind of a decision that we made saying that this is what we're going to do. If we're going to change the culture, we have to get a buy-in from this younger group of sophomores and freshmen. And we started a number of freshmen that will now be juniors as well. And so I, I look at our seniors, and what's been great is we, we have what's called a leadership council, and right now on that is 10 seniors. Uh, and that's not by design, but those are the 10 guys that are doing the things correctly inside the locker room, staying after practice to, to help coach a younger player, staying after practice to go ahead and vacuum the locker room and clean up the bathroom area. But then that all transitions onto the field. And so if we have a bad moment of practice, I point to a senior and I say, take care of this. We're not good right now. And they do. And they handle it and they say, this isn't right. We're going to go hold the standard higher. And so for a very general answer, non-football answer maybe even, is our senior class has been fantastic. And they're going to be fantastic this year. It's been really good to see them have buy-in and ownership of what the program is going to be. Uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, just to point out a couple of those seniors and highlight a couple guys, uh, we return Chris Gilliland at the offensive and defensive line, and Chris is one of the better offensive and defensive linemen uh, in Division Two in Tennessee, and he is just explosive and just such a great athlete for his size. And so I, I always highlight Chris and our whole offensive line. Really, we have three seniors on our offensive line, but Chris is kind of the anchor of that. Uh, from our skill position standpoint, you look at a guy like Jackson Thomason, uh, number 27, He's our Wes Welker, our Danny Amendola, our, our slot receiver, who's just kind of a does everything. And Jackson is excited every day to do whatever you ask him to do, whether it's punt return, kick return, or clean up and vacuum the locker room. Jackson's excited to do it, and he's always full of energy. And so those are two guys uh, that we kind of look to along with a handful of other seniors to really, really push our pace in practice and make ourselves compete harder. I could talk about our senior class all yeah. day. There's a number of guys that have done exactly what they're supposed to, and uh, but those two guys kind of jump out along with other guys like a Cooper McCoy and, and Bo Big Lane. Your son has, has come a long way and working super hard. 
uh, as well as Sean Giampertoni, Ethan Prepage, and J.R. Henderson, and Alex Wright. And I don't know if I said Cooper McCoy already, but Cooper's an awesome young man who's just going to be a team captain as well. But we have a great senior class, and what's been awesome is our, our freshman class, our sophomore class, and our junior class are all very supportive of them. And in return, our senior class is very supportive of the younger classes. Yeah. And it's, it's maybe the closest knit team I've had uh, it's definitely the closest knit team I've had here in South Haven and at North Point Christian, but it's maybe one of my top closest knit teams, top to bottom, I've ever been a part of. The first thing you mentioned, Jackson and, and uh, Chris, I've watched them grow up since they were in kindergarten. Uh, they've been at North Point their, pretty much their entire life. I mean, I, I think Chris has actually been there since the three-year-old with my son. Uh, and just to watch the kids grow up, they are good kids. Uh, they, they've been there forever. They know everybody. And I do think that this senior class, you know, a lot of times you get senior classes, you may have some hot heads, but this class really does a great job. I mean, my daughter's a freshman. They'll hang out and, and talk with the freshmen. Like, you know, they kind of joke back and forth with them, which is not something you always see from a senior class. You know, I mean, you, they may be a little hazing or whatever, obviously, but it's more the fact that they actually talk to them, know them in hallways and stuff like that. And I think that's a huge thing that goes, you know, not only you know just because it, it makes the team chemistry but also just I guess the point of, of North Point being the size that it is that you're able to do that absolutely we, we went to team camp last week and we went out and took our guys to a, a small camp off campus and to see our seniors pick freshmen to take under their wing during that camp and they were bunk mates and they stayed in the same dorms but then they also had to walk to to meals with each other they had to go to practice with each other and to see those guys never bat an eye and instead take that as like a badge of honor that they got to pick a freshman that they became the mentor to for that week for mm-hmm. that team camp week was awesome and our seniors did a great job of hanging out with whoever was there and that could be a kid who's a freshman who's starting or it could be one of the players who might never see playing time even on JV this year, and they included everybody, and that's a special thing. When you can have 67 guys going towards a common goal and there's no attitudes in it, there's no uh, saying I'm better than you because I'm a senior, so I'm above sweeping the locker room or I'm above carrying the water jug, uh, that's just what we want to see. And That's servant leadership, and that's going to carry them not just in football but more in life. What specific, I guess, positions uh, that you're looking for this year that say, okay, if this position or this part of this player overachieves, you know, we have a chance to be really special? Absolutely. Offensively, I would say it's our backfield. It's our quarterback and running back. And right now we have three senior running backs, and all of them do a little bit different skill set than the other. And the best part of that is they all know their skill sets. And so one's a little bit more of a hard-nosed runner, one's a little bit shiftier, and one's just a solid back who can be in there for – three, four downs at a time, he knows the whole game. And so what's nice to see is those three all communicate and, hey, it's third and two, should we put in so-and-so? And And it's, yeah, let's Mm -hmm. let's get him in. He's the hard-nosed runner going to pick up two yards. Hey, it's first and ten, let's put in our our number one guy who can play all three, four downs at a time and pass pro and and et cetera. And so I look at our backfield and then our quarterback as well this year uh, is a guy that's a sophomore, Jack Patterson. Uh, he has he's won at every level from elementary to junior high to now coming up into high school. And uh, we're really excited about the, the growth Jack has made this offseason. And so if we have those positions, running back and quarterback, really excelling, I think we have the pieces around them uh, to be very successful offensively. From a defensive side, I would say it's kind of the same thing. It's our linebackers. Our linebacking core, both of them are new this year to the position. Our outside linebacker is a guy that's played there for a number of years, Ethan Prepage. Uh, but our two middle linebackers are new this year or haven't played the position as a starter yet. And so 
we look at those guys because they kind of set our defense around us. And if those two can be strong in the middle of the field and make the right calls in the right times, then I believe that we can play really fast on defense as well and, and have good success. Looking at the schedule, I'm not going to ask you what you think you're going to do. Everybody, I know you're going to say 10-0, uh, but kind of look at what are the uh, maybe two or three games that stand out saying, uh, you, know, you know, we need this game. Uh, this is a very important game on our schedule. We know that, and, for, and, and you can go into a little bit more about this, but, you know, North Point lost some rivals this right. year. Uh, there were t- uh, two teams, uh, FACS and Harding, uh, who had been in our district forever. Uh, actually, they, they've lost, I guess, overall, the school has lost students, and so they have dropped down to the single A. Uh, and so they will no longer be district games. So you're looking at, as you said, ECS, St. George, and Lausanne as the three district games. So we, we know those are going to be important, but is there one of those that stand out? And then also kind of the rest of the schedule, what are you looking forward to this year from the schedule? Our schedule overall is, is a really good schedule. It's going to tell a lot about us real quick. And so we start on the road the first three weeks. Mm. Uh, week one, we travel to a really good single-A team in Jackson Christian. Uh, Week two, we travel to Brighton, who we played last year and and beat them, but they are returning much of their team this year. And then week three, we actually travel to Kentucky, and we're playing a team, uh, Marshall County, out of Kentucky. And so I believe that that first three-game stretch is going to tell a lot about us how resilient we are to to travel and being out of routine and having a different routine each week, but also playing three really good football teams uh, right away, right off the bat. It's going to tell us how we're going to run down the stretch. Uh, from a, a league standpoint, a district standpoint, again, Lausanne, ECS, St. George's are all well coached. We're familiar with them. They're familiar with us. And so we look at that, and we, we're not looking ahead by any stretch, but we are saying we, we're going to be competitive. That's yeah. our goal. We're going to be competitive. We're going to give everything we have and kind of see where the chips lie. And I, I think, again, that those are maybe three of the better coach teams I've seen in this area. And so as a coach, that's really fun. It's also a little scary because you know you got to be on your A game. And so we're trying to get our guys by the time we get into week seven and we play our first league game in St. George's that we're clicking on all cylinders and ready to go compete for our league. We have one of the toughest districts. I mean, for sure. I have at least two of those teams every year that make the second, third round of the playoffs. Uh, St. George won a champion, actually beat North Point in a championship six years ago, the state title. Um, you've got ECS won it a couple of years ago. I mean, so it's a very, very tough uh, league, tough one to advance in. But also it means, as you said, it's exciting. You get to challenge yourself each week. And I know that's what the boys want. How has your overall relationship, we kind of talked about the school, you coming up here in the area, but what about your relationship with your athletic director, Barry Gray, uh, the other coaches at the school? I mean, how do y'all, you know, get along? What is the uh, kind of the atmosphere uh, between the sports? I mean, I, you know, I follow every all of y'all on Twitter, uh, both you know personally and for our podcast. But you know, there seems to be a lot of uh, camaraderie. A lot of uh, each of y'all cheering each other on. Kind of talk about what the relationships have been uh, since you've you've joined the North Point uh, coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. The the great thing is that Coach Gray was a former defensive coordinator. He's a football guy at heart. And so on a on a Friday or even on a Monday, you can go in and say, Hey, what do you see? And so Coach Gray knows the game. He, he played it and, and also then coached it at a very high level, including winning a state championship as a defensive coordinator. And so for him to know the game and know our struggles, but also know what we're really good at has been nice because you can go in and kind of go, hey, give me another set of eyes outside of our room, outside of our coaching room. What, what do you see? And uh, he's been super supportive in everything we're doing. He wants to see the program grow, and, and it has grown. Uh, if you go from 
when we got there in the spring of, of two and a half years ago, we were at 36 players, and now we're going to address 67 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been really fun to watch it grow, and now uh, we're hoping that that means that we're competing better in our league and outside of our league, and, and Coach Gray's been a big part of that. He's the basketball coach for girls and boys, and so he's a busy man, but he's also the athletic director, and I know that he wants to see every program at North Point be successful, and we have been told that what can we do to make you successful? It's a common thing that Coach Gray always says. What can I do to make you successful? And he's been very open to some of our ideas, whether that be from facilities to uniforms to making sure that we have the right schedules for our guys so they can be in our lifting and our film sessions on time and get out to practice on time. The other part of it that's often unsung at schools is your principal and your head of school. And those two guys in in Bradley Wheeler and Jim Ferguson, our head of school, Jim Ferguson, is – has really just been super supportive of athletics in general. We all know from Coach Gray all the way up to uh, Jim Ferguson that athletics is not the end-all, be-all. We are part of this wheel that we're trying to get these kids to have a great time in high school. Uh, But athletics is a big part of the wheel, as well as academics and extracurriculars and their spiritual life as well. And it's just been a great school to be at with admin support, top to bottom, for what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build. What would you consider this season being a success? In other words, you know, what is the one thing that you want the players walking away with this year, whether you go 0-10 or 10-0? So my number one reason to coach is I hope that they find God in their life. I know that's not a football answer, but if we can walk away and our kids have learned life lessons and they have looked towards Jesus for those answers of these life lessons, then we're successful. We might not be successful in everyone's eyes if we're 0-10, and, and, but those same things happen. I can put my head on a pillow as a coach, and our whole coaching staff can and say we've been successful. Uh, and some of the best seasons I've had, one of my favorite seasons that I've ever coached, we were 3-7. and seven. We were last in our district in Florida. We had a ton of injuries, and that's kind of why what led to 3-7. and seven. But we had more kids learn life lessons that year. Now they call me eight years, ten years later and say, Coach, remember that game when you taught us this? I'm still doing that now that I'm a professional firefighter or cop or I'm in college and out of college and now going into construction or whatever the field is they pick, that's a win. And so we kind of call it winning the uh, eternal game as coaching staff. If we can win those things, then we've won. From an X's and O's and a football standpoint, we're trying to be competitive in our league. The coach speak answer is we want to be competitive every week and be the best version of ourselves. And so if we can set that standard and hold our kids to that standard every week, then then we've been successful. Coach, before you leave, uh, a couple things, just kind of a couple fun questions I wanted to ask you. Growing up, uh, what was your favorite college team and your favorite pro team? So I, I grew up in Buffalo, New York until I was 12. In Buffalo, there is nothing other than the Buffalo Bills. There is not college football. In fact, I didn't know college football existed outside of Syracuse until I moved to Florida <laughs> at the age of 12. And so I was there for the four falls of Buffalo. Uh, I remember being uh, the first time the Bills played the Dallas Cowboys in their third straight Super Bowl. I asked my dad, when are the Bills ever going to win a Super Bowl? And my dad looked at me and said, never in your life, son. <laughs> and so I am a Bills fan through and through. But with being a Bills fan, you're very pessimistic about your team. After moving to Florida, the big thing then was Miami Hurricanes football. And so I started watching Miami Hurricanes football at 13, 14 years old. My first college game I ever attended was the Miami Hurricanes versus Syracuse. Mm-hmm. College game day was there. Uh, and I believe the Hurricanes blew them out 58-3. to It was a wild atmosphere in the old Orange Bowl, which if you've ever been there was a disaster, but it was a lot of fun to be at and uh, also a little scary to be at at 16 years old by myself. (laughs) Uh, And so I was a Hurricanes fan until 
I married my wife and really started dating my wife. And she's related to Justin Fuente. Of course, being at Memphis here locally and then transitioned over to Virginia Tech, uh, I am now a Justin Fuente fan. And so he has been very good to me and, and every staff I've been on. And so uh, I'm a Virginia Tech fan now and actually threw away all my Miami stuff. I no longer root for them. And I am a Buffalo Bills and a Virginia Tech fan. The last question I want to ask you again, a little fun question is, what is your favorite football movie? Ooh, I love Remember the Titans. It's one of those ones where uh, there's there's maybe a Mount Rushmore of movies where every time it's on, you're going to stop and watch it. For me, Remember the Titans is on Mount Rushmore just of movies overall, but it's definitely my favorite football movie. Just the story behind it, the, the teamwork, and then Denzel Washington's makes me laugh as I'm watching the coaches in that movie. <laughs> uh, I just really enjoy it. Well, again, we really do appreciate you coming in. I know you took some time off on Saturday morning to come in and join me this morning, but really want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for uh, all the, the hard work and effort that you're putting into the kids, teaching the kids, uh, showing them a godly way, uh, and just really look forward to following you. We're going to cover you uh, every week uh, on our podcast, and, and hopefully we're giving you know, more good scores than bad for, for yeah. the Trojans. And, uh, but just really looking forward to going through the season and just want to wish you luck uh, both you know, from us. Anytime that you want to come back on and sit down and love to just uh, have you every year if you would but um again i really want to appreciate you and just say good luck this year to the trojans thank you so much and thanks for having me today this is a lot of fun and i appreciate what you guys do for local high school sports and just really this local community in general well we appreciate that and we just look forward to again saying the kids names this year so thank you again thank you thank you